It does not matter what you say, only what you mean. The sixth letter of the alphabet word is not in the Bible, therefore it's not a sin to use it. And because the second commandment only speaks of using the Lord's name in vain, profanity is not a problem. These are not opinions that I hold. And they are not opinions that I think that we should hold as Catholics either. In fact, there is a great deal of morality to words. Now, in preaching this homily, I realize that I uh, accuse myself as well because I use thousands of words a day. And so, because of that, I oftentimes sin through my words. But it is nonetheless worth talking about. I think my own defects are not a reason to not preach on the morality of words. But there is a real morality to them. And so I want to break this homily into three sections. Why words matter? What are common sins with words that perhaps we don't deem as sinful? And then what is a basic cure to these sins against speech? First, what is the importance of words? If we look to the identity of God, it is not insignificant that the second person of the Trinity is not titled the good intention of God or the disposition of God. In fact, he is not even titled the action of God. What he is titled is the word of God, the word of God. And we know that words are important in the life of the Trinity and what words function as us who we who are made in the image of the Trinity, the image of God, because of what the power of words do in the beginning of creation. We go back to the story of Genesis. Whenever God approaches creation, the very first thing that he does with words and what we do with words in our mind is he looks upon chaos and he orders it. He says, let there be light. He separates the light from the darkness. With his words, he orders the chaos that is at bay. He makes the distinction. And so with our words, something very similar happens. We approach our mind and our heart. And as we know from the book of Jeremiah, who can know the heart that tortures things? that within ourselves is constant chaos of the mind and heart. And with our words, what we do is we separate the chaos. We order, we enter into conversation with one another, not because we know what we think, but because we desire to know what we think. Because in conversing with you and you conversing with me in that expression, we order light from darkness. We order the chaos of our thoughts and the different feelings that we experience and the decisions that we have to make. And so words have significant importance. If words do not have importance and all that matters is intention, on the other side of that is that is that words aren't bad. It's also to say that if words aren't bad, then words aren't good. It's saying that my words don't mean anything. And we often talk about um, immodesty in dress 
and immodesty in dress as a, wor- as a way to shock with attention. But it's the same way with immodesty in speech, that we use immodesty in speech to shock often and to get attention because of the same underlying conviction that with immodesty in dress, I am not seen, and with immodesty in speech, because I am not heard. So that is incredibly important to recognize. If we think that our words are not evil, it's also because we think that our words are not good. Now, what are some of these ways in which we sin through words? What are some of them? The first I like to talk about is profanity. Is profanity. And what profanity does, um, it can either happen from reaching down to base things. As we know, the words that we deem profane in the English language uh, are those that talk about the lowest kinds of things and the, the most vile. Are they necessarily morally wrong? No, but they're vile and they're low. They express the lowest part of man, that which is most animalistic in him. And so with those, those things, we either reach down into the profanity, into what is lowest, or we reach up into what is sacrilegious and blaspheme the Lord's name. We use the Lord's name in vain. And again, this is a way of providing some sort of shock to the listener, a way of being heard, a way of being emphatic. But we know that the person who regularly uses these words loses some of their emphasis. Why? Because the word that begins with the sixth letter of the alphabet um, can have 20 different meanings if used. It can be a word of emphasis. It can be a word of shock. It can be a word of happiness. It can be a word of anger. Um, It can be all these different things. The person who regularly uses it then is not understood at all. It's kind of like a person just blowing uh, a trumpet, right? Getting attention, but not actually being understood. The person loses the ability to express themselves and their ideas. And using it, the person actually becomes less heard because they do not deem their ideas worthy of expressing. Because the, the point of speech is to look at all of the thoughts that lie within my mind and to choose the one that best expresses myself. If I'm regularly choosing profane words, especially those words that can mean a whole litany of different things, then I will never really be understood and be able to order reality around me and to be in communion with my speech. So profanity, what it does is that it, um, it shows a heart that wants attention, shows a heart that is impure, And it either brings down the heavenly things to be ordinary, or it brings down hellish things into our conversation. The next, um, well, there's two kind of here, is sarcasm and complaining. Sarcasm and complaining. So sarcasm is something I think we use a lot of times, humor and a lot, and it is largely kind of a lowest form of humor because what sarcasm does is that it doesn't usually make everyone in the room very happy and jovial. What it'll do is that it, it, it brings about a laugh, but at the same time, chopping down what is good. The etymology of the word sarcasm 
can be broken up into two words, sarks meaning flesh and chasm meaning tear. So literally to tear flesh. And so sarcasm can exist without frowning upon something that is good, without or frowning upon something with someone else. And so sarcasm only exists at the price of disdain. I have to disdain something first before I can treat it with sarcasm, before I can tear it apart. The other side of that is complaining. Now, with complaining, we often complain about things because we can't fix them, because we're powerless towards them. And we complain then, instead of being transformed by the suffering that I cannot change, complaining then is my way of protesting the suffering that I cannot change. And so rather than uh, praising the Lord as Job would, naked I have come forth from my mother's womb, naked I shall go forth again, whenever he is uh, dealt a hand of suffering that he cannot change, we complain and we protest. We wonder why it exists and not really changing the existence of it all. And so complaining is another way. A third is gossip. Gossip. So gossip can come about commonly for two reasons. Envy, which is not jealousy, and sloth. Envy and sloth. So envy first, because envy, uh, jealousy is when I desire the good of another. Envy is when I desire someone else's um, or I'm open to someone else's failure. When I desire someone else's failure, or I find joy in someone else's failure. And so gossip is just that spoken, that we entertain ourselves with another person's failures because we are not very concerned with their good. It's the opposite of charity, which we know the definition is to will the good of another. And so gossip then finds entertainment, finds joy, in the failure of another. Now, gossip on the other side is like, how do we get into the space to where gossip even becomes a thing? Is because of sloth towards our own vocation. We often find ourselves into gossip because there's something in my life that I feel powerless towards or that is not worth devoting my time and energy to right now. So I'm going to pass the time that I should be spending focusing on myself or my family or my job or whatever my duties are with my state of life and focus it on someone else's life and then compare and contrast. And so gossip then leads, while complaining leads us to be ungrateful and impossible to be satisfied, gossip leads us to be untrustworthy with others. Because if I can gossip about someone else, what makes me think that this person will not turn and gossip um, about me? There's a fourth one, and it is the least uh, grave of all of these. Um, And talking about the gravity, it is worth noting that gossiping about the mortal sin of another can be a mortal sin. Um, If not, you know, sometimes we must talk about the mortal sins of another to build them up or to find a solution to the problem, but pointlessly gossiping and, and finding joy in their failures uh, about mortal sin can be a mortal sin, as well as blasphemously using the Lord's name in vain. While these others remain venial, um, 
they still obviously affect our character. And the fourth one affects at least, but even Jesus talks about it clearly in the Gospels, is idle words. Idle words. So very interestingly, Jesus says that all things will be judged, even our idle words. And even the Catechism, when giving an example of venial sin, brings up this idea of idle words. What is the idle word? I think the constant use of superficial language, like oftentimes, um, not to say that we always have to raise small talk to medium talk necessarily, like I don't have to go up to someone and say like, hey, so how's your marriage? And I don't know their name, that's not what I'm saying. Um, but we do oftentimes have relationships where we remain superficial. Um, and kind of, we oftentimes remain superficial because we don't think that the other person cares about the good in their life, or we remain superficial so that we can open the door to more gossip and negative conversation because we don't think that we can order this relationship toward the good. Again, conversation is about ordering reality. And so that superficiality um, can then cause relationships that are superficial. And it shows what that expresses, because words express character. What it expresses about myself is that I only care about superficial things. I think that you only care about superficial things. And so um, that is something to keep an eye on. And Christ cares about it because um, he recognizes that every part of our life is for good, is for good, that nothing is without meaning, that nothing is without purpose. So what is the cure? What is the cure? Again, to know the cure, uh, we have to know the goal of words, and that is to order ourselves and to order reality among us. So to order myself and expressing my thought but also to order the relationships that I have in my life, the relationship with creation, the relationship with my neighbor, my relationship with God. So then there are a few things that we do. First, in our relationship with God, how do I order it rightly? Through praise and thanksgiving. Through praise and thanksgiving. Praise is when I affirm the goodness of who God is. Thanksgiving is when I affirm the goodness of what God has given me. The goodness of what God has given me. This praise and thanksgiving must then, this is why we need prayer. This is why we need to regularly pray. To order our relationship with God so that it's not chaos. To separate light from darkness. So then in praising him and in thanking him, I order him rightly as God. I recognize who is truly good and where the good in my life comes from. Now, this phrase happens in prayer, but it also happens publicly. You know, it doesn't just happen in the privacy of our rooms. Um, there's a story that was told not long ago um, in one of our small groups at Wisdom, where there are these missionaries who were traveling, and uh, regularly, as things were happening, they would get in the habit of saying, praise be Jesus, praise be Jesus. And they were coming along this uh, turn on the highway, almost got in a wreck. One of them said, praise be Jesus. The other ones also all said words, probably beginning with the sixth letter of the alphabet. And 
then it came up later in conversation, well, um, my last words were going to be praised to Jesus if we would have died. What would have your last words been? And that if we do this and we get in the habit of doing it, then it orders as well our perception towards reality. Because I'm not swearing whenever something gets bad, and I'm praising the Lord whenever something goes bad, even like Job saying, naked I came forth from my mother's womb, naked I shall return. It allows me to order and see the sufferings that come to me at hand that are meant to transform me and to make me good. The other thing um, that we can do is in relationship to our neighbor, the speech in relationship to our neighbor. And that is um, affirmation and encouragement. Affirmation, encouragement, and expression of concern. Affirmation, encouragement, expression of concern. Because as St. Paul says in the New Testament, say what is only necessary for the building up of the kingdom. That if I want the kingdom to occur, and I want this person to be a saint, I should say things that cause that. I'm ordering that through my speech. I'm encouraging that. I'm bringing that out. And then lastly, in relation to ourselves, in relation to our creation, and to creation, and especially coming up on Lent, is making real, being a person of real resolution. Being a person of real resolution. Um, going into Lent without anything in specific, just being like, I want to live more penitentially. Well, there's not real words, there's not anything to really order, then there's something lacking there. Your Lent will remain chaotic. It will remain disordered. But in separating the light from the darkness and making real concrete resolutions, then we'll be able to order it rightly. And so in conclusion, um, words there, we care about bad words, we care about we care about insults, we care about complaining, sarcasm, gossip, superficiality, because our words matter. And the reason why we regularly sin in this way is because we think that we are not heard, and we need to be emphatic, that we need to speak something more than the truth. And so we ask the Lord to give us the grace for the modesty in speech that in, we can order the chaos in our lives, to separate the light from the darkness, and to manifest Christ in our words.